Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. <laughs> ah, just when you least expect it. Uh, typically, I'm good at these things. I don't know what to tell you. Um, nevertheless, I always see Mortal Kombat, but I don't know. Cheese heads over cowgirls in Big D. Wow. Just when you least expected it for the Cowboys to embrace prosperity. Something that they haven't done in the last two decades. Going going back to the glory days of the 90s of Aikman, Michael Irvin, and Mr. Emmett Smith. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Inside the studios at WNSC, myself and Michael Gray. Doesn't get better than this. Welcome those of you guys here in a gorgeous evening here inside the Studio Z. Myself and Michael Gray, my DMV ride partner with it. We're back at it again, and if last week was a great week, I don't know what this weekend was. Um, from NBA media day to the preseason coming back to already week five in the NFL, week six coming up in the collegiate game, and of course the playoffs and the majors. It's 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 an October fest, Mike, isn't it? Oh, sure is, man. It's, it's the best time of the year because basketball season's on the way, and football's football season's near. It's kicking in the shape. So, you know, we got so many different sports. And then plus, you know, you got the, the, the finals, the finals for the Mystics, the, the WNBA, and then you got the, the baseball uh, playoffs going on. It's like so many different sports going on at one time, but in, but in different uh, sections of their sport. So it's, it's all love. But it's, it's what we do. You know, we, 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 can't, we can't knock this at all. Definitely. And I got to ask you, being right in the thick of things in DC right now the city and must be buzzing right now the vibe must be electric you've got regular you got preseason a matter of fact coming up for the Wizards yep. um in a couple of days you've got the Mystics looking to wrap up the title and game four on on the road and and of course you've got the Nationals forcing a game five back in LA uh, so I know right now DC sports is is pretty much excellent and they're looking to continue to bring championships in that city. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Mystics got a great chance tonight. They won one win away. Won one game tonight. They win this game tonight, and they'll be champions. And then you're right, the, the Wizards preseason, the Wizards preseason actually started a couple of days ago. They played the New York Knicks here in, uh, at Capital One. Man, they pulled out a tough one, man. They, 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 pulled, out, they pulled out a tough game. I know we won 6-1, but there were some times in that game where it could have been a lot closer. You know how, how quick the Dodgers can put up runs, so but I, we got Strasburg pitching in game five. I like, I'll take my chances. I'll ride it down with whatever outcome it is because we got Strasburg pitching, so I'm good with that. Absolutely. Strasburg in eight-plus 
eight scoreless innings, 10 Ks in game two. He'll look to duplicate that same performance that he did in Dodger Stadium. Game five of that series, Mike. And uh, from that, we want to start off with um, my initial preamble. We started off with the Cowgirls and the Cheesehead. That was probably game of the week last week. Of course, where the Packers, the 3-1 Packers, wanting to bounce back from their epic meltdown in Lambeau Field against the Philadelphia Eagles. They had 10 days to prepare. They had the big D. Um, and we could just say that that performance, especially by Aaron Jones, was was huge. And and, and I, I think everybody wants to put an indictment of what the Cowboys didn't do and how they performed. But I, I thought that what the Packers did, their game plan heading into Dallas was huge. And, and ultimately, they really dominated from the jump. I took away from the Packers game was the fact that Aaron Rodgers was without Devontae Adams, his best receiver, and still seemed like he didn't miss a beat. Geronimo Allison was out there making plays. Valdez Scandal was making plays. Jimmy Graham was making plays. But you're right. Aaron Jones was sensational. And this offensive line for the Packers was sensational as well. Like, how how great they played, how, how well they run blocked. Like, Aaron Jones had holes up the middle. He had holes on the outside. And I also noticed, Sebi, how undisciplined the Cowboys' defense was. It was plenty of times where you seen Aaron Jones uh, getting outside. That they weren't the, the Cowboys' defense wasn't containing the outside. Uh, it was like getting out of their spots. Randa Ash uh, wasn't able to make sound one-on-one tackles in the open field. It, it, it was an undisciplined team. Like these linebackers, Jalen Smith. Every anytime Aaron Jones was uh, out on Jalen Smith. It seemed like it was a mismatch. Like these linebackers have a hard time covering running backs, and they had a hard time on Sunday covering Aaron Jones. And I got to give it to this Packers defense as well. They they played tremendous. Uh, Zadarius and Preston Smith, the Smith brothers, they right there out there on the on the edges. They they had a meeting at the quarterback all day long. Yes, uh, Zadarius had two sacks. Preston had one, but they were in the backfield all game long. And you know they just have a, a very opportunistic defense. Jair Alexander, once again. Had another big-time game. I've been talking about Jair Alexander for a long time, and he's only in year two. He's going to continue to get better. Him and Amari Cooper were battling all game long, and uh, and um, they, they, he came out with the win. But at the same time, I look forward to continue to see this defense grow, this defense get better. And the fact that I say, I'm saying I'm going to say it again, Sebi, you give, you give Aaron Rodgers a defense and a running game, that's scary. This team is a Super Bowl contender for sure. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Definitely there. You hit it right on, on the dot, Mike. I mean, their performance out there in Dallas was huge. I, I thought that what Matt LaFleur has done, and, and we got to understand, Aaron Rodgers is learning a new offense as well. He's been 14 seasons with Mike McCarthy. This is his first year with Matt LaFleur. And his zone run-blocking offense is not what Aaron Rodgers is accustomed to. He's, he's accustomed to being in the gun for all those years in Mike McCarthy's offense. Now he's being a lot under center. And right. so he's handing the ball off more. He had he didn't have a touchdown throw in this game, but you saw that the Green Bay Packers they want to make an assertive commitment to run the football, and and it's not an indictment on Aaron Rodgers that he can't throw the football. I mean, we know what the talent that he is as right. a thrower, but they want to be able to be balanced on offense. And what Matt Lafleur has shown in these first five games is they want to be able to run the football and that defense with Mike Pettin. That might have been one of the biggest key acquisitions that not a lot of people are talking about oh, yeah. this, uh, this season, you know, bringing the guys that can play his personnel, Jai Alexander. I know he, although, you know, 
Amari Cooper had 228, but a lot of those were in garbage time. Yeah. You know, he, held, he, he held his own, and uh, there was a lot of third-down conversions where the ball was thrown to Amari's way, and, and Jair Alexander held his own. And so I, I thought that the Packers on the, on the back end did very well. The Preston Smiths and Darius Smith, I thought they took advantage without Tyrone Smith being there. You know, this is a Dallas offense that we don't really see get – you know, beat up like that. And so they were really beat up in that line of scrimmage. Cameron Fleming had a hard time on the left edge, and it it, it was just a bad performance. Uh, And I think everybody want to put on Dak Prescott. He did play bad. He did play poorly. But, Mike, this is my biggest takeaway. You paid Ezekiel Elliott. You you made a commitment to to make him the highest paid running back in football, right, and well-deserved. Right. Two of his first three seasons, rushing title, right? I understand that the Dallas Cowboys were behind throughout the entire game, but 12 carries, man. I I, I know, I know that (laughs) I know Ezekiel Elliott didn't sign up for 12 carries. Now I understand when you're playing from behind, things are different. You got to throw the ball more, right? You dig yourself in a hole 17, nothing. It was one point it was 34, nothing, 31, three. And so you got to run the football and that's when you start to abandon the run game, but you still got to get Ezekiel Elliott, the football in space, you know he can catch the football out of the backfield, line him out um, for as a as a, a, a wide receiver and match him up with linebackers, and they did not do that. And I thought the twelve carries as well. I I think when you put a lot on Dak's shoulders to win a football game, that's not the recipe that the Dallas Cowboys are built on. They're built on an elite offensive line with just a ferocious running back that likes to go downhill and embraces contact, and so. That's when the play action comes. Now, if you let every, everything have to do with Dak, performances against the Packers is what you're going to get. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I think that, I think that also was a, a, a testament to why this defense looks so poor because the running game also helps out this defense because they're not on the field as much, you know, for time of possession and things of that nature. And the fact that they got in such a big-time deficit early, they got down, so, down, uh, down big time so early, made it harder for this defense to – Work because obviously they couldn't run the ball, so they couldn't keep the keep them off the field. So it was so many times where the Cowboys would get the ball and they they would only they would get three and out, so they would have the ball for a couple minutes. And defense got to go right back out there, and you saw it was wearing tail on them, and the the Packers literally wore them down. And you're absolutely right, Zeke not touching the ball. I was surprised. I wasn't that surprised that he only got 12 carries. I was surprised he didn't have more catches out the backfield or things of that nature. Uh, because you're right, they got in that big time deficit, so. Once they got down uh, uh, 24-0 or 31-3, there was no running the ball anymore. And that's exactly what opposing defenses want to put Dak Prescott in that type of situation. They want to put this Dallas Cowboys team in a situation where they have to throw the ball. And when you're down 28 points, you have to throw. So it was was one of those situations where, yeah, Zeke was limited, but at the same time, it was by by force, not really by choice. There was a lot of other other things there. Uh, The Packers, um, they – had Monday night to Lambeau as they played the, the the Detroit Lions coming off two weeks to prepare for them. And the Cowboys, losers are too straight now, have to head to the Meadowlands to take on the Jets. But there was a lot of things, Mike, um, this week that was alarming. I was impressed by how the, the Colts, they neutralized Patrick Mahomes, something that a lot of the 31 teams can't say. Uh, they neutralized uh, Patrick Mahomes, I thought that was pretty impressive. A team that a lot of people are not talking about, Mike, the four-in-one Bills. I started talking about them and raving about how great their defense was. 
and they showed that same performance in LP Field and Nissan Field in Tennessee. And, of course, Deshaun Watson lightened up the numbers as well. Some of the key things I saw in Week 5. What stood out to you? Definitely, definitely the Colts. That that stood out to me over almost everything this weekend. Um, They had the same game plan that the Cowboys have wanted to have ever since Zeke has been drafted. They controlled the time of possession in that game against Kansas City. They kept Patrick Mahomes off the field. The Colts had the ball for 37 minutes. Patrick yep. Mahomes and the Chiefs only had the ball for 23. That's a formula for success yep. against this Chiefs team because we know how much of a juggernaut they can be when they're on the field. But if you control the ball and run the ball the way that they were able to and continue to convert third downs and convert drives and control the time of possession like, like the Colts were able to, then you have a chance against this team. But I think one of the biggest keys for the Colts that stood out to me, they have the players that can match up with the Chiefs on, on, the, on their defensive side without Tyreek Hill. You know, it wasn't as much of a mismatch because they have linebackers that can cover, they have cornerbacks that can make plays, and they have a front seven that got after Mahomes. That's a recipe. They have a certain players. It's certain teams that can try to copy that formula, but you have to have the personnel to do it, and the Colts have it. The Colts have that. Another thing that stood out to me was that was how the, Ra- how the Baltimore Ravens beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers fought so hard, Sebi. They were right there. They knew this was a must-win game, and it, it was all right there. And then uh, the Marlon Humphrey strip for Juju, that was major. That was major. That was the game-changer right there, both teams going back and forth, and uh, they, they were able to pull out that victory. But um, another thing that stood out to me major was the 49ers defense. Man, they're 49ers. good. They're real good. Man, that was my sleeper team, Sebi. That was my yep. sleeper team. I, I, I think was... we both had them in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, and they're going for sure. They're going. Um. This team is special, and I love I love their defense. I love the defensive front. Uh, I love the linebacking core with Kawan Alexander and those boys. They, this is special, man. This this total team. They have leadership at every position. Um, the D line, the linebackers, the back half. They have leadership on at every uh part every of every level. Every yeah. level of the defense, they have leadership. And on offense, uh, Jimmy G doesn't have to do much. When you when you watch this team, they. They they set up the run because they have creative play calling by Kyle Shanahan. Matt Breida is absolutely balling. Breida is he's a special running back and he's one of those underrated running backs in the league. And uh, Jimmy G is just dominating off of play action and making solid plays whenever he can. He still needs to work on some of his mechanics and his accuracy a little bit. But I've been very impressed with what I've seen from the San Francisco team, especially their defense. Yep, def, definitely. That defense is, is ferocious. Uh, I thought Matt Breda clocked in at, what, 22.5 miles per hour on that big 83-point scamper. But you're right, Mike. I mean, this San Francisco team, that's why I had the Seahawks coming out and I had actually the 49ers coming out as a wild card rather than the Rams. I mentioned in the preseason I thought the Rams would have a Super Bowl hangover. And people looked at me and looked at me funny. Well, through five games, well, what do you know? <laughs> Sherlock <laughs> knows. All right. And so uh, you're, you're right. I mean, the San Francisco team is huge and kind of like what Matt LaFleur does in Green Bay. I thought Kyle Shan is the same type of coach that zone run blocking offense. They want to run the football, have their quarterback understand, and then use play action to dictate tempo off of that. You get guys like, um, you get guys like, uh, Dustin Pettis uh, and guys like Marquise Goodwin, the football. We know how George Kittle is a pro bowler last year. And so, this offense can start to explode in and on defense. Sherman 
as as a leader back there. You've got Juan Alexander in the middle, and then that front four is as good as any Amy. in the NFL, Amy. led by Bosa, Solomon Thomas. You got guys that are DeForest Buckner, and they went after it and made a, a Browns team that looked explosive last week, rather pedestrian. So that was a, a pretty big to me. Um, but I, I, I want to talk about some of the other games that stood out to me. I know I talked about Buffalo, but this Buffalo team, they're good, Mike. I mean, yeah. they're 4-1. I, I didn't see this coming. I, I tell you this, I thought that the Bills would probably win six games at most eight. And they have already won four through five weeks. And that's just a testament to what Sean McDermott has done with this defense. And this is a defense that's ranked third, uh, uh, um, third overall. You know, they're fifth against the pass and they're number two against the run i mean this team is stout up front and tredavious white in an elite underrated shutdown corner yeah I mean, you got uh lorenzo alexander who's an excellent middle linebacker not a lot of people talk about jerry hughes ed oliver ninth overall pick from houston yeah. so this team is is really good um and here's the thing mike the bills get the next three games at home they're in a bye this week but their next three is at orchard park not easy place to play. So in the first eight weeks, we could probably see the Bills at worst seven and one. And what a, a storyline would that be for the NFL? Another team that stood out to me as well is I, I'm going to start putting Christian McCaffrey in, in the Heisman uh, campaign uh, uh, candidate because this brother's unbelievable. We saw when Cam Newton went down, right? And we said that, of course, where would the Panthers go with this offense? We know Ron Rivera can coach. He's not a scrub. Um, they brought in, uh, what's his name, uh, North Turner, who's in, uh, you know, Hall of Fame offensive coordinator. But Kyle Allen hasn't been, done much because he's just watched the Christian McCaffrey show. This guy can do everything, everything, Mike. I mean, there's nothing that he can't do for such a guy that's such miniature like he is. I get you know, shell-shocked by the um, – it amazes me what the things he could do. He could run between the tackles. You think you got him for a two-yard loss, he turns that to a six-yard gain. And, and so unbelievable. And we saw what he did against Jacksonville front. That's not an easy front to run against. And so yeah. I, I was thoroughly impressed. And right now, I, I thought so Wilson would be one. Patrick Mahomes with his performance against the Colts kind of dimmed it down a little bit. But he would be in that top three. This guy has been special. He can – he all-purpose yards is his thing. He can – all scrimmage yards, you know, just like Walter Payton did back in the days. He can punt return. He could kick return. He could put him in the backfield, run between the tackles, put him out, out wide. I mean, there's nothing that Chris McCaffrey can do. And as long as the Panthers are waiting for Cam Newton to come back, they can just rely on the CMC show. Absolutely, man. You're absolutely right about Christian McCaffrey. He's he's one of those special guys because he's he's bigger than you think. Like He can run between the tackles. He can run outside. And he ha- it seems like he has one of those 60, 70, 80-yard breakaway runs every game. And you're absolutely right. What they've done with him the last three games since Cam Newton's been out, him and Kyle Allen, they put on a show. And he's actually set up a lot of, you know, the play action and things, that open receivers down the field for Kyle Allen uh, through the play action because of his great play. So, you absolutely – Christian McCaffrey, all-purpose yards. He can catch the ball out the backfield. He can do everything. And he should be an MVP candidate for sure. Uh, as far as you know, uh, guys like Mahomes and and and, and things of that nature, Chris McCaffrey deserves to be up there because of how he's leading this offense and putting up big time numbers. And they're winning because of it. They're on a three game winning streak, and hopefully they can keep it up. But we'll we'll see we'll see. But 
You're right. McCaffrey right now is he's he's going all over Carolina. Yeah, definitely. There, Christian McCaffrey has over a hundred yards. He's the leading rusher in the NFL through five weeks. Next behind him is Dalvin Cook of Minnesota, who's had a big year himself. Talk about that explosion in rock and roll city in Houston. The Texans put fifty three on the Atlanta Falcons. Mike, this is a team that in the Falcons we picked as the NFC South champions. They're one in four. I think that's through the door. That's out yeah. the door with the way that the Saints now are the breezeless Saints are three and zero without Drew Brees. And so now, what the Texans have done fifty three. Deshaun Watson, five TDs, and Will Fuller started getting to the show because all that double coverage that DeAndre Hopkins got. Yeah, he took advantage of that heavy. 14 catches, 217 yards, and three touchdowns. Yeah, that's that's special. You're right. You're right. All they did was roll double coverage to Hopkins, and Will and, and Will Fuller had a field day. I mean, wow. This Falcons team is is one of the most disappointing teams of the of the season. I I, I had them along with you winning the, winning this division. And you're right, we could throw that out the window because the Saints are absolutely dominating without Drew Brees, and the Carolina Panthers are even on the heels of the Saints, and they look much better than the, the Bucks. Even the Tampa Bay Bucks, you're absolutely yeah. right. The Tampa Bay Bucks, even though they're two and three, they still have a, a shot at this, and they look even more competitive. So you're right, the Atlanta Falcons have completely exposed themselves. They've completely taken themselves out of the NFC South competition. And as far as I'm concerned, somebody needs to go in Atlanta because it's bad. The fact that you have all this talent on the team and they haven't looked like a resemblance of what they should look ever since Kyle Shanahan has been gone, that's a problem. It's, yeah. it's something going on with this team, and it has, it has to show because Deshaun Watson was out there looking like a – he put on a show. They were He, he had wide-open receivers all over the place. Backyard Will, football, Mike. Will, yeah, of course. Will Fuller, Daniel Fells, uh, QT was wide open uh, all, all over. Even D-Hop made some plays in double coverage. It was it was it was a, a one of those games. It was one of those games where the defense had no answer whatsoever, so, and, and and Deshaun Watson had put on the field day. So uh, I expect changes to be made with Atlanta, if not before the season, after the season, because right now it looks bad. It looks bad yeah. for them. And you talked about somebody that need to go. I, I don't think their head coach needs to go. Dan Quinn is is really good. He led them to a Super Bowl run back in 2017. But I think the guy might be Steve Sarkeesian, the guy that yeah. picked up for Kyle Shanahan because we know what that Atlanta offense looked against under Kyle Shanahan. What he did. I mean, Matt Ryan won MVP. MVP, and So right. they need to get back to that offense. They need a creative mind. Obviously, they're not going to get a guy like Lincoln Riley out of Oklahoma, but they need an offensive coordinator that's going to come in and, of course, let let Matt Ryan and that offense get loose and open up the playbook. And I thought that Star- Sarkeesian's offense – it's just been a little bit stagnant. So a lot of reinforcements needs to come in down there in Peaches City and down there in Atlanta. But we'll keep our eyes closely on that. That was our week five. Yeah. Our week five impressions. When we come back, it's a little bit early. But we're looking to week six. We'll make our picks. That's right. Our week six picks. And then shift to the collegiate game. Where this week we got a big, 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 big games. That have college football implications. But first, myself and Michael Gray, week six picks.
the Sebi Podcast Radio Show inside the studios at NSC, myself and Michael Gray. Our week six pickums, our week six pickums, and we start off, of course, with some of the biggest storylines of week six. It starts in Foxborough on Thursday night. The New York Football Giants, Michael Gray's New York Patriots. This is a Patriots team has allowed only 7.4 points per game. That's number one in the NFL, number two in takeaways, and number six in sacks. Good luck for Daniel Jones and potentially a limited Saquon Barkley. Give me the Patriots. <laughs> do I have to? Like, do I even have to say anything? Like, the, 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 the Patriots are going to dominate us. It's going to be bad. Like, this is going to be the biggest blowout on, on Thursday night football this year. It's going to be bad. They're going to dominate. <laughs> Sebi, they're going to dominate us. It's going to be so bad. I, I I see the score being something along the lines of 35 to 7, to 10 maybe. Like, it's, it's going to be – it's going to be. give me the Patriots too. They, they're just more of a complete team right now, and they're playing on – they're playing on fire. The defense is, is cranking. Tom Brady is unstoppable, and we have – the Giants have so many issues on both sides of the ball. It's going to be bad. Give me Give me the Patriots. Right, right. This is the fourth game out of six games already. The Patriots are favored by double digits oh, this yeah. week. It's 17 points we'll at home against the New York Giants for sure. This once was a great rivalry, Mike. Oh, yeah. Once ago, back in the great glory days for sure. And, of course, after that, 9.30 Eastern in London. I don't know if you watch soccer, Mike, but in Tottenham, that's where the Panthers and the Bucks will meet all part of the NFL international games you got the panthers against the tampa bay buccaneers here i'm gonna go ahead and oof, this is a really tough one it is but i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and, and take the panthers i like their defense um i like the way christian mccaffrey's been running the football but i do think the bucks can hang some points here this is gonna be a little shootout um first one to 30 might win give me the tampa the, the panthers excuse me and a field goal win. I think the Panthers are going to win as well because I think they want to get that tip out of their mouth from losing on Thursday night football to the Buccaneers at home. You know, the way they lost is, you know, losing at the goal line when no one you should have won that game. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a much better game. I think Kyle Allen is going to ball out. I think this Bucks, Bucks team is going to compete. This Bucks team is very competitive. This is a very competitive yep. football team, and I, w- I would not be surprised if they pull this off. If they win. It's, right. it's going to be a dogfight. But if I had to get the slight edge to a team, I'm giving it to Carolina based on how they played, and I expect Christian McCaffrey to have another big game. It's going to be a close game, but I'm going with the Panthers. The Seahawks travel east again in an early time for them uh, out there in the West Coast, but now it's the Browns that are home. In a short week, they got embarrassed in the Bay on Monday night, so it's a short week back home at Paul Brown Stadium. They got the Seahawks coming to town. Russell Wilson, I think I mentioned him on my uh, MVP race. He's been balling, Mike. I mean, uh, if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes, I think Russell Wilson would be the clear number one for MVP right now. They're taking the Browns. I know the Browns want to take that nasty, nasty performance that they did in the Bay Area. I think this game is going to be closer than what people think, but give me Dangerous because when it's Dangerous, he will set you free. Give me the Seahawks on the road. Give me the Browns. Give me the Browns at home. I told you, I told you last time, Sebi. This is one. This is going to be an inconsistent football team until they learn how to win on a consistent basis. They're gonna, they're gonna lose games like they did against San Francisco, but come back and beat a team like Seattle at home just because they don't know how to win yet. So I, I, I definitely see the Browns coming through. 
and putting up big numbers and winning this game. Give me, give me the Browns at home to win this game. It's not all the time that you see Patrick Mahomes can lose back-to-back games. The Texans, the red-hot Texans, what an explosion last week. 53. I mean, my goodness. At home. Now, this is going to be an offensive shootout because the Chiefs secondary, I don't think they can go up against those elite wide receiver skill position that the Texans got with Fuller, Hopkins, and uh, Darren Fells and all of those playmakers out there. Um, Deshaun Watson should have a field day, but the news was that Tyree Kill's questionable. I expect him to play. Ooh. I don't expect Patrick Mahomes to have a bad performance two weeks in a row. Give me the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Give me the Chiefs and Arrowhead as well. If this game was in Houston, I would have picked the Texans because they play very well at home on both sides. But because it's in Arrowhead, give me the Chiefs. I see them. I see it being a dogfight, but I see them pulling it out in the fourth quarter. Mike, there's one team that got to win this week. It's the 0-5 Redskins in Miami against the 0-4 Dolphins. Something's got to give. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It's one of those you might have to pick a time. We might have to, Sammy. I ain't gonna yeah, uh, this, this is awful. But you know what? Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Who, who, who you going with, man? I know the, it's the, tough, the, man. The, I know, the Redskins I know it's hard, are favored man. by three and a half. You know what? The Dolphins are just bad, man. Give me the skins. You know what? I, I, I think this might be the the time that Haskins starts. You know, they got rid of Jay Gruden. Right. They got rid. They need to get rid of some owners out there, too. Oh, yeah. Schneider and the other men. But that all in due time. But give me the skins. I think their defense is a little bit better than the Dolphins. Um, so I'm going to take the skins. But I'm not going to be surprised if it goes either way. I might, I'm taking the Miami Dolphins in this game, Sebi. I think the Miami Dolphins are tired of hearing all this noise about we are the worst team in NFL history and, and things along those lines. I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be motivated because they know this is one of the few opportunities this season that they had to pull out a W. And they're at home. Give me the Miami Dolphins. The Eagles, the Eagles, what, they've, they've, they went one and two, but two impressive wins thus far. They went to Lambeau and won two weeks ago, and then they beat up on the Jets, the ridicule Jets that are just, you know, they're decimated right now with injuries. But they're going into Minnesota. Remember last year, Minnesota beat Philadelphia at Philadelphia last year in Lincoln Financial Field. The Eagles are searching for some revenge. Um, but I don't see that happening. I'm going to take the Vikings at home. The Purple Monsters, they play really good inside that dome. And so I like the way they run the football with Dalvin Cook. I think that's going to set up some play actions for guys like Diggs, who hasn't been satisfied. But when he gets some targets on him, he knows how to make plays yards after catch. Stealing has always been steady. I'm going to take the Vikes at home. I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles on the road in this game. I think they continue this momentum that they're on. I think uh, one of the things that the Eagles do very well is stop the run. And I think the Eagles are going to not stop Dalvin Cook because you can't stop him the season he's having. But I think they can contain him to a, a, a certain degree enough to win this game. And I see Kirk Cousins making one or two plays to, to change the game and put it in the Eagles' favor. Give me, give me the Philadelphia Eagles on the road. The Saints said that they already wanted to go 300 or 500, excuse me, <laughs> and waiting until Drew Brees get back. Well, they're already 3-0, and and so Drew Brees only has two or three weeks left before their bye week, mm -hmm. and I expect them to come after that bye week when that thumb injury gets healed. They're headed to Duval against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars, much like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Mike, they've been very, very competitive, very tough. This Gardner Minshew guy, he's got guts. Oh, yeah. And so they're, they're, they're at home. 
against the Saints. But you know what? I'm going to take this upset. I, I like the Jags in this game. I know the Saints has been really good, but maybe this is the game that Ramsey gets uh, uh, playing. And what a matchup that would be, him against Michael Thomas. That would be must-watch TV on the outside. And I think they'll do a, a good job at home in that hostile environment with that crowd against Kamara. This is a game where you can see perhaps, just perhaps, uh, Bridgewater has a couple turnovers. Not an easy place in Jacksonville, but give me the Jaguars. Yeah, give me, give me the Jaguars at home as well. If Gardner Minshew wasn't playing as good as he was playing, then I would have picked the Saints. But because he's playing lights out and he's actually giving this team and this city hope, give me the Jaguars at home because they, their defense, they defensively play better at home than they do on the road. And, I, and you're right. If Jalen Ramsey comes back, I see them making big-time plays. And uh, I think the Saints make it close. They're a tough football team. But give me the Jaguars at home. I, I like them to win this game. The same way that I don't really like the Lions in the NFC, much can be said about the Bengals in the AFC. I mean, this team is 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 bad. I, I think Bill Lazor was a bad addition for them as a head coach. Andy Dalton, I think his tenure is, is starting to be short-lived, and it, it's it's winding down. His days are numbered at the quarterback position. They're going to the Ravens at MNC Bank Field. The Ravens are... An 11-and-a-half favorite, and I think they'll cover this at home. Lamar Jackson against a bad defense. Expect some fireworks. Yeah, without A.J. Green, Andy Dalton doesn't look like a franchise quarterback at all. He's been look, he's looked very bad, and uh, I think he'll miss A.J. Green for, for, for a minute. I'm taking them to lose this game as well. So America's Game of the Week, Mike, this is, this is a really good one. So the 49ers that we all raved about, right, they're already 4-0. They're exceeding expectations. Um, all everybody's healthy. They they said that if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, right? And so they're going to face the reigning NFC West champions, the Rams in LA. And so you've got the 49ers and the Rams at um the Coliseum. This is tough, but I'm gonna take the Rams here. They yeah. have championship pedigree. It's in LA. Um, the the 49ers they got to lose sometime, and it, there's no shame in losing to the Rams. Oh, yeah. You know, as your first as your first loss. So. I think Gurley would let loose. Goffman is going to have a great game. Um, I know they, they're really pissed off for how they missed that game-winning field goal in Seattle. They played really well after giving up 55 to Tampa Bay. But give me the Rams, Aaron Donald, um, Mr. Jimmy G. Uh, good luck um, meeting Mr. Aaron Donald for the first time. Yeah, I, I give me the Rams in this game as well. And I think one of the keys to victory for the uh, Rams this week is stopping the run. If, if you stop the run first and force Jimmy G to, to beat you, that can bode well for you as well because we haven't seen Jimmy G beat a team this year. Maybe the Steelers, you could say, but outside of that, Matt Breida and his running game is leading the charge for the 49ers. So if you could stop that run and force Jimmy G to throw and make some plays with those opportunistic players you have in the back half, I think, I think that bodes well for the Rams. Give me the Rams at home. Yeah, Jimmy G's not limited, man. Jimmy G could fling that football. Bro. He can't, he can't <laughs> fling it. I'm not, he can't fling it. You're right. But there's been times where he, he's been led by the run. And when, you know, we haven't seen the most accurate throws, but he can he can fling it. But if, if he can't, we haven't seen him without a running game. And I, I don't think the, the 49ers are going to be able to run the ball that well in this game. The Falcons have been really, really disappointing this season and um, has been really bad on the road. It's one thing to be bad at home, but on the road. I mean, this team is given nearly like 30, 35 plus on the road. They're going to the desert. The Cardinals got their first win against the Cincinnati Bengals last week under the Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray era. And so you got the Falcons and the Cardinals. 
take the Falcons every week, every week, Mike, and they disappoint me. Me too, man. It's the last chance I give them. I'm going to take the Falcons here as a small favorite against the Cardinals. I think just on paper, they got better talent. It has to be a game that they put it all together. So give me the Falcons, and uh, let's hope they don't burn me. On paper, they got better talent. But, Sebi, that means nothing on Sunday when you can't come together as a team. And right now we're seeing the Falcons team with all the talent in the world, but they're not coming together as a team. And they've suffered major injuries like to Keanu Neal once again that just hurt them, especially in the back half. Um, You know what? I changed my mind. I'm going with the Falcons to win this game. The reason why I'm going with the Falcons to win this game is the the only reason why I'm picking them is because the NFL is full of competitors and prideful prideful men. When you give up 53 points as a defense – you come back the next week and you respond like 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 champions, like the competitors that you are. And I think they'll respond this week against Arizona. I don't think Arizona is going to put up big-time numbers against them. I, I like the Falcons to win this game because I think they'll respond big after that loss uh, the other day. This is a game I don't really understand as well, Mike. You got the two and three Titans against the one and four Broncos. What a win for them. You know, they lost eight straight um, dating back to last year. They went into L.A. and beat the Chargers. I didn't see that coming. But – um. They're at home this week at mile high, and they're taking on this Titans team. This is a Titans team that you know, I can't understand. They go to Atlanta and they win a big game. They go to uh, Cleveland and win a big game, but they lose to mediocre teams. Last week against the Bills, they lost. They missed four, four. field goals. <laughs> four field goals. Uh, how does that work? And in a game against the Broncos in those environments, you got to be able to know how to kick field goals. Give me the Broncos. I like how Philip Lindsay is running the football. Um, I like their defense as well, of course. Von Miller one side, Chubb on the other. Get him some sacks. I like the Broncos. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad to see Chubb, Chubb out for the season with that torn ACL. You know, he was playing on it for a while in that last game too. He was, um, you know, it was tough seeing that. But uh, give me the Broncos as well. Uh, it's something about this. One of the inconsistencies with the Titans is they don't have Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mayola is a very inconsistent quarterback. So you're going to have games like that. But give me the Broncos because you can make a legitimate argument that the Broncos could be 3-2 and two or 4-1 and one right now by the way they've lost their games uh, this early in this season. They've been right there. They've been competitive nip and tuck. And the fact that they finally got a win under their belt on Sunday against the Chargers, give me the Broncos at home to continue this momentum and continue their play going forward. So here's a trend, Mike. You've always said that when the Cowboys play a team that is up to par to their talent, they fold, but when they play mediocre teams, they really beat up on them. Well, this week they go to the Meadowlands and play the Jets. They're 0-4. You have no quarterback. Give me the Cowboys. That's it's that simple. I mean, give me the Cowboys. I think they'll be able to neutralize Le'Veon Bell. Get the Cowboys on the road. They'll improve to 4-2. and two. Give me the Cowboys on the road as well. Like you said, they're going against a Jets team with no uh, without Sam Darnold. Uh, this is a team that's uh, losing their way. They're, they're, trying, they're finding and inventing new ways to lose. Give me the Cowboys to win as well. I expect it to be a blowout. Sunday night football features the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they don't have a quarterback. You know, they lose Big Ben for the year, potentially Mason Rudolph now. And so uh, now you've got Hodges as your starting quarterback, and he has to travel cross country to L.A. to take on the Chargers. Last year, we knew what the Chargers went, and they went They went to Heinz Field, and they did. They, won. they got a big win last year. So now they're hosting them at home. No quarterback, 
you're going up against Philip Rivers, an elite defensive line, both on one side, Ingram on the other side. It's not the same Chargers team as last year, but they can still win games. They still got talent. Give me Chargers at home, and I think they're going to win this pretty big. Yeah, give me Chargers at home as well. Um, the Steelers are going to compete. They're going to fight. They're going to make big-time plays, and they're, they're actually going to make this game very close because of how they play defense, and I see them getting turnovers and things of that sort. But give me the Chargers to squeak it out because I just trust Phillip Rivers a little, just a little bit more, Sebi, than I trust Devin Hodges. Just a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little, just a little something, something. Yeah. And to, of course, wind down week six, Monday Night Football resides in Lambeau Field perhaps one of the more historic venues in all of American sports. They host the Lions. It's a Lions team that I've been really hard on. I don't know. I just, I just don't like the Lions at all. But I'll admit, they've, they've been awfully impressive. Even in losses, Mike, they've been really, really, really impressive. Um, they're on the road against Green Bay. Here's a stat, Mike. Lions have only won in Lambeau Field once since 1991. And that's when Mr. Barry Sanders was a tailback. They haven't done that since. I This is tough, but I'm going to take the Packers here at home. I think it's going to be closer than what you think because the Lions got two weeks to prepare for this. Yeah. It, it is a division matchup, so things can get crazy. But I'm going to take the Packers off a huge win. I think they roll with that momentum, and the Cheeseheads continue to wear Cheeseheads. I'm going to go with the upset, Sebi. I'm going with the Detroit Lions to come in there and win this game in Lambeau to get uh, Matt Stafford to get his first ever win in Lambeau Field. I, I, I think it's going to happen this week. I think he has the team for it. I think he, the culture in Detroit is, is is so much better than it has been in recent memory. And I think they'll respond and win a big game. This is the type of game that this team can win on the road against Aaron Rodgers and his uh, Packers team. Give me the slight win. Give me the uh, – I'm going to get the A's to Detroit. Wow, and that was our week six picks in the NFL. It's a lot of tough matchups, Mike. I mean, Seahawks, Browns. You know, you got the Lions, Packers. Mm-hmm. I mean, even that, that, that one. I'm, I'll be good. I'll be up for this one. The 49ers and the Rams. That's probably the game of the week. It's a lot of tough matchups this week, but we'll be tuned in. When we come back, we shift gears to the collegiate game. We'll look back at the Gators and Auburn Tigers, what they did in Gainesville, and also some big upcoming matchups in week seven of the college football game. That has college football implications. What's up, everybody? We at it again in Orlando. You know, Prada Nana's putting it in. We got Celine Orlando ball, so you know what I mean? We getting ready to do a little dirt out here in Orlando. Had to hit that put, put, put. Come on, man. You know what's going down. We also have Boston Engineer. And don't forget, we got ball and beauty. It's gonna be coming out of where we at, where the park, where we at, and we gonna flood, flood, flood the streets. Ha! Make sure you get your tickets. DM, Instagram, it got to be on Eventbrite, right? Lord Dirt, and you heard what I said. Bossa, 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 engineer that. Bossa, engineer that. Bald and beauty, where we at? When the fuck you heard that? Come on now, come out there and celebrate. Make sure you come and participate. And hey, you know where Prada on is gonna be out in Orlando doing the best that I can. I appreciate y'all. Nama, 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 Time come. 
<laughs> the studios of WNSC, myself and Michael Gray. This DJ Cali guy is funny, Mike. I mean, <laughs> one of the more premier entertainers in the industry. Uh, DJ Cali is just a funny guy. Uh, but that that was um, Stay, his latest hit here on the show there for us. And we shift gears to the collegiate game where the Florida Gators hosted the Auburn Tigers. Bo Nix and Gus Malzahn wanted to get a huge win. And this Auburn defense played really good. I mean, leading into this game, this Auburn defense has been stout. And they got some they, they, they got some uh, NFL prospect on that D-line. But in this game, Mike, I'm not going to lie to you. It was really hard to watch. Turnovers, turnovers at a premium. They, they, get the, they get the ball. They turn the ball in the red zone. I mean, it was just bad. It was a bad game to watch. But I thought when... You know, Dan Mullen took the ball out of his young quarterback's hand, gave it to LaMichael P. Ryan, and he busted that big scamper. 130 yards on the ground against an Auburn team. That's You don't see that very often. I thought that a young team like Auburn will learn from this, but the Gators got a huge win, even though it was ugly. The Gators got a huge win, and they look like the more physical team. That's crazy to say coming from an Auburn football team that, that uh, another team was more physical than them. Um, when I looked at Bo Nix and how uncomfortable he was, I haven't seen anybody this year make him look that uncomfortable since the first three quarters against Auburn. I mean, Oregon, excuse me. But it was it was, it was was bad for him. This Florida defense is no joke. They are for real. They shut down the run. They made him un- uncomfortable. And you're right, the Florida offense, offensive line, I, I give them a lot of credit too because that running game for Florida was, was special. They were able to keep Auburn off the field. They controlled majority of the time of the possession. And – they just look like the more physical team. They wore them down. They really wore Auburn down. And I really haven't seen that in recent memory when it comes to Auburn outside of Alabama going against them. But to see Florida just look like the total complete team and really dominated the game as well as they did as far as, you know, what was on the field, it was special to watch. And Florida's a special team. They deserve to be, you know, they deserve our respect. Yeah, definitely. They're the Florida Gators already now in the top eight and the latest polls, and they did a very good job, especially defensively against Bo Nix. What they did, Mike, is a young quarterback like that, he likes to throw on his first reads. Well, what the Gators did is they forced him to go on his second and third reads and said that, are you able enough to progress and go through your progressions? He's not at that level yet. He's a true freshman. I think Bo Nix is still a guy that Gus Malzahn can definitely develop, and I think he has a bright future. But the young kid can't go through his progressions yet, and the Gators took advantage of that. Speaking of the Gators now, you beat Auburn, but you got a bigger test. Uh, I did talk about all these games this upcoming week, Mike, have playoff implications. Well, how about this? Saturday night football resides in Death Valley. Remember Mr. Joe Burrow? We saw him a couple Saturday nights ago, right? Mm-hmm. A couple Saturday nights ago in Austin, Texas. Well, they had to the Death Valley in the bayou. LSU host the Florida Gators this Saturday night. And the SEC West and SEC East showdown, anything in the SEC is must-watch TV. And this is going to be a good one. Joe Burrow right in the thick of things of this Heisman Trophy winner. I'm excited to see him again. I am too, and I'm excited to see him as well because you know, he continues to keep putting going up against these top teams, and he's putting on shows and things of that nature. And he's, he's really balling out this year. 
He's uh, he's having fun with this offense, and they're really they're being very creative with him. This is the most creative LSU offense I've seen in quite some time. Man, Mike, is it? Wow. Uh, quite in quite some time, and you know LSU was known for their defense all these years. You know, drafting guys, and they would have special receivers come out of draft and running backs, but they weren't known for their offense. They're known for their offense this year, and it's special to watch. And so, anytime I get a chance to watch uh, Joe Burrow and LSU, I'm tuned in. And so, yeah. this, this game against Florida is going to be major. Yeah, exactly. I want to continue to see that continuity between Joe Brady from the Saints organization now being the OC for LSU and the job he's done with Joe. So you got Joe versus and Joe on the same unit helping the LSU Tigers. And this defense is still really good, too. Receivers like Justin Jefferson. The Gators, they got their work cut out for them. It's not an easy place. Not a lot of teams are successful in Death Valley, especially on a Saturday night. Especially. You're right. You're right. He's got his work cut out for him. This this whole team has their work cut out for him. Florida's going to be ready. Florida is going to be on, on everything. This – like, yes, it's, it's hard to get up emotionally for two big-time teams like this, playing them back-to-back, but I think Florida is going to be there emotionally. I, I, I would pick, if I had to pick, I would pick LSU to win the game, but I think Florida is going to be there. They're going to match their intensity, and it's going to be a dogfight. They're going to earn every yard, every point that they score in this game. I did tell you this week we had big college football implications. Well, Mike, this is the game that the Big 12 been waiting for, the Red River rivalry. You got Oklahoma, that explosive offense, Lincoln Riley, Jalen Hurts, CeeDee Lamb. No opponents has really figured out a way to um, to stop that. Well, they're going to head to Austin and the Texas Longhorns, um, Sam Ellinger. We saw him against uh, Joe Burrow, against that elite and stout LSU defense, but he still put up 38. And so, you know, you, you, got, Tex- you got Texas now. This is a game that they need if they want to get back in the Big 12 picture. You got Oklahoma, you have Texas. But give me advantage, Oklahoma. I just think the way that they scheme offensively, you've got a lot. you got to worry about the backs in the backfield and Sermon. you got CeeDee Lamb. Hurts now. He's not only the guy that can only read from his first progressions. He can read from his third, fourth, fifth progressions. Give me them and Oklahoma. I'll be ready for this one. It's going to be high noon. This is going to be hot in Austin. you got two quarterbacks that's going to light up the crowd. But give me the Sooners to beat the Texas Longhorns in Austin. Give me the Sooners as well. It's going to be a battle because it always is in the rivalry. <laughs> Sam Ellinger, he needs to be thinking 50, 60 possibly. <laughs> like you need to, you have to score. You're going to, you're going to have to outscore this Oklahoma team. Don't get rattled when they score. They're going to score. And They're going to score. Them scoring 40 to 50 points. So you have to match that and score 50, possibly more in order to win this game. Like there's no remorse. You have to go in there with a killer mentality, hands down. But I don't think I don't trust I don't think they'll do it because I trust the Oklahoma offense more than I trust the Texans offense. And I trust the Oklahoma defense slightly more than I trust the Texas defense. So give, give me give me Oklahoma to win this game as well. I think they'll make all the plays in the world on offense. But I think their defense will get more stops than the Texas Texas defense will give will give them as will give uh the Oklahoma. So give me Oklahoma to win this game. They're definitely there. I mean, this is going to be a great one uh, in Austin. It always is in the Red River rivalry. But I- I'm just excited to see how all of this comes along with Lincoln Riley and Jalen Hurts because this they're going to be tested, of course. Now, uh, you're right about some things because I-, I think that receiving core edge, Oklahoma, running back edge, you know, 
uh, uh, Oklahoma. I think the two quarterbacks cancel out themselves, but it's going to be a great one, and I'm excited. I think the one advantage that Texas has is Charles Johnson, 6'6", outside, that can make contested uh, catches. Um, I think one-on-one, if he's, if Sam Ellinger has those opportunities, he's got to take advantage of that one-on-one. Uh, I, I believe that he is the biggest guy. He'll be the biggest guy on the field. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm excited. So, um, you know, it's going to be a good one. And, and I think that's the one matchup that they can't exploit. Yeah they, yeah, they definitely can. You know, the Oklahoma Sin Sooners have corners out there like Pernell Motley. He, you know, he, he went to Marvel High School here in D.C. So, uh, yeah, six, six, yeah, there's some big dudes out there that can definitely make some plays. And uh, Oklahoma has been susceptible to big plays uh, this year and in previous years. So that can definitely happen. But I'm telling you right now, he needs to make a lot of them because uh, Oklahoma's going to be scoring and you got to score with them. So uh, it's, it's going to be tough, but it, it can happen. Yep, definitely there. Um, and that was pretty much there for our segment today on the collegiate campus focus there for you. Any last thoughts of anything this upcoming week, Mike, that you got your eyes on? Definitely got my eyes on to see what my Nats are going to do tomorrow. We're going to uh, win this game five and out to see who we play in the uh, championship series. And uh, I'm definitely interested to see what my Mystics do tonight as well, do tonight to see if we're going to win this championship tonight or if we have to come home for a game five uh, closeout game in a couple of days. So I'm definitely intrigued in those two. But I definitely want to see some more preseason action. I, I haven't gotten a chance to see in the NBA. I haven't gotten a chance to see some of, some of the teams that I'm interested in seeing, like the Nuggets, the Trailblazers, and teams like that, the Brooklyn Nets. So I saw a game of them, but I want to see some more preseason action to get a feel for some of these teams and how they mesh together and where the chemistry is. Mike, Mike, you're getting ahead of myself because that's our next. That right there will be our next segment right now. I know it is NBA segment, but we're going to go ahead and pick our early preseason NBA awards on our next segment here, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Myself and WNSC, we shift gears to the NBA. Sebi Podcast Radio Show, myself and Michael Gray, our last and final segment today, guys, is proud and it is sponsored by Haifa Hookah Lounge, Haifa Hookah Lounge, the official hookah lounge on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show from beers to bucket hats, Zeus, Hector, and the entire gang and the entire cast of the Sebi Podcast Show has invited everyone in the community located in the campus and downtown Sanford, everyone to come out there. From discounts on bucket hats to hookahs to beers, you name it, they've got it. And again, I stress this all the time. Don't forget to tell them that my man right here, Sebi from the Sebi Podcast Show, or even Michael Gray as well, uh, sent you from down there. And, of course, we will be back here in 10 seconds.
and we're back here on the last segment today, Mike. And so now I know you haven't watched a lot of NBA uh, uh, games in this preseason, but uh, a lot of stuff that has been going on, of course. We, we saw the new-look Lakers and Anthony Davis, boy. Mm-hmm. And just, <laughs> I mean, I know it's early, but, man, I'm a huge Anthony Davis fan. I mean, I've yeah. loved him in Kentucky. This guy is unbelievable. I, I thought coming in, he could be the next Kevin, Kevin Garnett. And so he's well on his way on both ends, defense and offense, to be in that type of discussion. But, Mike, it is time for your preseason NBA awards. We're going to start <laughs> off with the coaches here. Your coach of the year. My coach of the year. Hmm. I'm going to give it to Doc Rivers. I think last year he had the opportunity to really put a stranglehold on the coach of the year award. But the problem was his record wasn't as great. And, you know, he didn't have, you know, the number, the top seed in the West and things of that nature. And they didn't really go far in the playoffs. But I I feel like the work that he did last year with that group, he could have easily won coach of the year. But I think this year they're going to have the wins. They're going to have the accolades and they're going to have the notoriety and the, the, the spotlight on them to where they're going to actually see how great of a coach he is and how great of a bunch the culture he has there with the Clippers. Give me Doc Rivers. For me, I'm going to go with Dave McMillan. It's time that he starts getting the national recognition from the Indiana Pacers. Mike, you've got Victor Oladipo and you've got Malcolm Brogdon in your backcourt. Mm-hmm. And where I play out here in the gyms, the boy, the fellas call that, that's clamps. That's clamps. You know I mean, mm-hmm. defensively. And so um, they're going to have a way to get buckets and they're going to have a way to make their presence felt defensively. And that's all going to be predicated on the stewardship of Dave McMillan. They made it all the way to a three and four seed last year, even without Victor Oladipo. Now they got him back. I think this Indiana team can not only be a surprise team in the East, but in the league because of the coaching that Dave McMillan does. He doesn't get a lot of recognition when you're out there lost in the old poor soul Indiana, but the great, players that he's going to have this year. I think he's not going to sneak up on everybody. So that will be my pick for coach of the year. So from coach of the year, Mike, to the one that a lot of people are interested about and myself as well. I flip back and forth in this. Your rookie of the year. I'm going with John Morant. I think Zion will have a great year, uh, a solid year per se. But I think John Morant will all around look like look better for the Memphis Grizzlies and help propel this team to, you know, being better than the, the, than what they were projected to be. And, you know, all around as far as, you know, scoring, uh, assists, getting players involved, defense. I think I think this brother is going to ele- help elevate this team and he's going to be so all around that they have to give him the award. I'm going with John Morant. Definitely there. This is tough because, um, like you, Mike, I had John Morant as my pick. Um, I had John Morant as, as, as my pick there as, as well. But I saw Zion play last night, and I was like, how can I try the man? How can I really try this man? I mean, 16-7 in just his first preseason, first NBA action. I know it was in a real game, um, but it's tough to go against him. But I'm going to stick with it, Mike. I'm going to with John John Morant. I think the difference maker is going to be kind of like what Trey Young did last year Mm -hmm. for the Atlanta Hawks when he finished second. It was close because I think that John Morant will have the ball in his hands. Yeah. You know, and, and, and New Orleans, Drew Holiday is going to run the show. You, Lonzo Ball is going to run the show. There's going to be times Brandon Ingram is going to run the show. And so, uh, don't get me wrong, Zion will have a lot of opportunities to fill the, the seats out there in the Smoothie King Center because they're going to come and watch him. 
But with John Murray, he's going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to orchestrate everything. I think the Memphis organization has given the keys to the organization. He's going to uh, be a floor general. This guy averaged 24 and 10 in college. And so he may not have all of that early on in his NBA career, but uh, when you can pass and when you can score from a plethora of places on the court, I think that type of stuff uh, translate um, well in the game. And here's the sneaky one, Mike. I think a dark horse can be Tyler Hero out of Miami. Okay. Because what Miami struggles with is free throw line. Tyler Hero is a 94% free throw shooter. Foul line shooter, excuse me. And they struggle with three-point shooting. What is Tyler Hero specialist in? Three-point shooting. Oh, so they, that, that might have been the best pick need-wise that the Miami Heat got, especially surrounding him with uh, a Jimmy Butler and some other pieces that they got there. So I think he's a dark horse, but I'm going to stick with John Moran. I like that pick. I like that pick about talking about Tyler Hero because I think he's one of the most slept-on players that came out of that draft. You're right. He's a three-point sniper, and, and he can knock down his free throws. So I, I, I agree that, that, that like he could be in the top you know, three or four cat as far as the candidates. But, yeah, I'm going with John Morant. Yep, definitely there, Mr. Ja. Ready to put eyes out there in the grindhouse in Memphis for sure. Our most improved player of the year was Pascal Siakam last year. Mike, who will it be this year? Hmm, man, that's a tough one. If I had to pick a most improved player this year, I'm going to go with Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant from the uh, Washington Wizards. He had a, a solid homer, year. Mike. You picked a homer. I picked a homer. He's a he was a solid player last year, but I think this is the year where he will put it all together for an entire season and be consistent. Last year, I think he had a problem, you know, of, of, of consistency and having big big time games. And then with certain games where you're like, well, where is he? We can't even find him. I think this year Thomas Bryant is going to put the world on notice about how great of a center he is, how athletic he is, how uh, you know, skilled he is for a big guy. And I think he he has a dominant year. Give me uh, Thomas Bryant, the Wizards. Mike, I thought I'd never say this, but um, I'm also going to pick a homer here. I'm not a Magic fan. We all know I bleed green. But, man, <laughs> this is tough. But I'm going to take Markel Fultz. This is Ooh. the forgotten man. Yeah, exactly, Mike. This is the forgotten man that not a lot of people I love remember. it. Number one overall pick. But he, according to Tracy McGrady, He's looked good, and I, I saw a couple of clips against the first action he got with the Pistons. He's got his shot back. He's got the mechanics. The form is looking good. He's back healthy. He's going to be able to run the show out there in Orlando who made the playoffs last year and are looking to build on their performance that they did last year. And so Markel Fultz, to me, is going to be the guy that – uh, will be the rookie, uh, their most improved player of the year. Excuse me. I love that pick, Sub. I love that pick with everything I got because I used to love watching Mark Fultz play in high school. This dude can play. He's a flat-out baller. And, you know, all the disrespect that he's been getting since he came into the league has been ridiculous. People calling him the biggest bust in NBA history and things of that nature. If you had a, a, a shoulder injury to your shooting arm, you wouldn't shoot the same way either. This brother is finally healthy now. He's in a different organization. He's going to ball. I can't wait to see Markel Foles. I love that pick. I love that you said him. I also have a little dark horse. I think Lonzo Ball could be in that discussion as well. And obviously, he's not a bust or anything like that. But I think that a lot of people has uh, are, still have the jury on him and how he will do. I think, actually, this bodes well for him, Mike. 
all the distraction of Los Angeles is tough. We saw how D'Angelo Russell played in, in New York, yeah. Brooklyn, when he left um, uh, the Lakers. Sometimes L.A. is a distraction. Trust me, I love L.A. It ain't a distraction for me. But, <laughs> uh, but for guy, young cats like that yeah. in a big market, you know, now he goes to the bayou. All he's got to worry about is cuisine, food, gators, and, and <laughs> worried about basketball. I think that environment bodes well for him. So he could be a sneaky pick right there um, as a dark horse looking in. But I, I'm going to go with Markel Fultz. No, that was a great pick. I love it. From there, we go to our defensive player of the year. Mr. Rudy Gobert has dominated this uh, um, award. In fact, Biggs, the four of the last five, whether it be centers or power forwards, have won this matchup. The last one to do it is Mr. Kawhi Leonard for sure uh, there. But Rudy Gobert, back-to-back defensive player of the year, Mike, and, and it, it, it's, it seems like he will be um, falling off uh, short at all. But, but I think this is the year that that officially ends. I think Rudy Gobert is still going to be a premier shot blocker. But, whew, this is tough. But I'm, I'm going to go with Draymond Green. I'm going to go with Draymond Green because <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go with Draymond because the, the Warriors are going to be there. And and if the Warriors are going to be a playoff team, it's going to be it's going to have to be Russell, Steph and Draymond Green being the leaders. Uh, Draymond, the heart and soul. He's the guy that makes that Golden State Warriors beat heart. And so uh, I, I think that he's still a great leader, defensive player of the year a couple of years ago as well. Um, Draymond Green will earn his second. So, uh, Sebi, it's an old saying that said, "Great minds think alike," and I really think that that, that comes to fruition when we when we talk sports. Draymond, I, I got Draymond Green as well. I think Draymond Green um, get, gets another Defensive Player of the Year. I think he proves to everybody why he's one of the greatest defenders we've ever seen. He's easily one of the top perimeter defenders or overall defenders in the league right now, and. I think he gets back to that that mode of, you know, leading that team through defense and, you know, facilitating another source. But I think defensive player of the year, I'm going with Draymond Green as well. He's going to show out on that side of the ball this year. Yeah, you can tell Draymond Green definitely played street ball coming out there in Michigan. And who was Draymond Green's idol growing up? Right. Mr. Ben Wallace. Oh, so yeah. Definitely. There's, there's, there. I think there's just a little bit of defensive bloodline there. So, uh, <laughs> definitely Draymond Green, our defensive uh, player of the year there for sure. Uh, the sixth man, I mean, must we say not, man? I mean, this guy, Lou Williams, is just phenomenal. Um, I, <laughs> it's hard to pick against him. I mean, Lou Williams is just unbelievable. He is instant offense, instant buckets off the bench. Um, but, I mean, this this guy's unbelievable. I, I think it's unanimous pick. I'm, I'm going with Lou Williams. Sebi, I'm about to say two things that might shock you. The first thing I got to say is this. Don't be surprised if Lou Williams went sixth man of the year for the rest of the time while he's playing basketball. The second thing I want to say to you is this. In 10 to 15 years from now, they're going to call this the Lou Williams Award. Ain't going to be the sixth man no more. Lou right. Williams, the, the way he p- p- comes off the bench, I mean, come on now. He could start for so many teams, but I don't even think he wants that role. I think he enjoys coming off the bench and putting up 30. Yeah, give, give me Lou Will. He's going to ball this year. Yeah, definitely. I think a guy that can be a sneaky guy, of course, he's going to be asked to do a lot. Maybe a guy like Fred Van Vliet could be mm-hmm. a guy that can be a little sneaky pick um, from the bench. Or one of those Portland guys, whether it's uh, uh, Kent Bazemore, the new acquisition, the new addition that they got. 
or maybe maybe a MPJ, uh, Michael Porter Jr., who I'm excited to see oh, in that yeah. offense because you know the Joker loves passing the ball. He can score, but mm-hmm. he loves passing the ball. But I'm going to be interested to in see that. Those are some outside guys looking in there for sure. And, of course, the creme of the creme, Mike, the 2020 NBA MVP honors will be won by who? <laughs> you know where I'm going, Sebi. Brooklyn, stand up. Man, Sebi, I'm telling you right now, dog. This is my dog's best opportunity to win that MVP. I'm going with Kyrie Irving. This Kyrie Irving is going to put on a show this year. You walk through the turnstiles in Brooklyn or wherever you wherever he's at to go see this brother play basketball. He's a showstopper, and he's going to dance on everybody this year. I, I think he's more... Uh, athlete, I think he's more uh, explosive this year. I think he'll he'll dominate. I think he'll be clutch as usual. And I think without Kevin Durant being there this year, I like Kyrie Irving to step up and lead this team uh, to to a lot of wins and enough wins enough to where he's dominating and he has to win the MVP. I'm going with I'm going with Kyrie Irving to win the MVP this year. Definitely there, definitely there, Mike. This is tough for me. This is really really tough because I said to myself. Man, I, I think Kawhi's the best player in the world right now, but he's going to have to share the ball with Paul George. And then with, with the other Lakers squad, Anthony Davis, I think he's a, he got a strong case, but he's going to have to share the load with LeBron. You know, LeBron's going to at least be 25, 10, and 7. And so uh, AD may be 28 and 12, but they're going to cancel each other out. Then I had to go everywhere. Kyrie, Giannis, like, it's tough. And so I narrowed it down to two men because I think – the, this year, it, it's going to be a guy that has the ball in his hands. And I came down with two guys, right? And my last two finalists were Steph Curry and James Harden. Because I think Steph Curry, we're going to see that Steph Curry that reverted back to the unanimous 2016, 2015 Steph Curry. Because he's going to have the ball in his hands. He don't got no KD to uh, to share shots. And when, when KD was there, he took 18 to 20 shots. Clay's not there. You can expect Curry to shoot the ball 25 to 30 times and have up to at least 10 to 11 attempts at the three-point line. So I think you'll have a big year. But my pick is going to be James Harden. Come on, mm. Mike. I mean, this guy's a bona fide scorer. I, mm. I think he's going to go down to history as one of the great scorers. Not the greatest, but amongst that elite class of just a bucket getter. Every year, James Harden is in the discussion. Uh, he's a walking bucket. Last year, only... <laughs> <laughs> like only Will Chamberlain <laughs> had better numbers than what Mr. The Beard had. And so um, I don't think he's going to have that much because Russell Westbrook will also have to share the load with them. But there's not a year when James Harden is on the floor and he says he's not in the discussion. We could see anywhere between 34 a game, maybe seven and eight. Um, yeah. And that might propel him. But I'm going to go with The Beard. But I'll say this, Steph Curry is going to have a huge Huge case oh, yeah. because he's if the Warriors want to make the playoffs, he's going to be the guy that does it. Yeah, we are. This is the year we're going to find a lot about find out a lot about Steph Curry. You know, without Clay Thompson being there, I know D. Russell is there, but he's no Clay Thompson. He doesn't play defense like Clay Thompson, nor does he shoot like no, Clay not at all. So, so it, it's it's a downgrade to some degree. So it's the a lot of the heavy load and a lot of the work is going to be put on Steph's shoulders, and we'll see how how far he can carry them, and whether or not he'll be worn down or not by the time playoff season playoff comes. Yeah, I like that pick though, Mike. Uh, the, the the Kyrie Irving though, I thought I thought it was just tough. I know he's gonna have the ball in his hands. He's he's in the Eastern Conference. He, he's gonna be. I mean, he can boogie against anybody. Yeah. Uh, but 
I just I don't know because the Nets I think they I actually think they're gonna struggle. We haven't gotten to our uh, uh, standings. I think we'll wait next week for that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think that I don't know. This is the, 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 the reason why I picked him was because this is the year I think he's finally gonna put everything together. This is his first year back in the in the, first. He's in an opportunity where. He's at a team where he wanted to go. This is the right. first time he's ever got a chance to do that. He's playing in his hometown in Brooklyn. He's with a team. He's without Kevin Durant this year, so the ball's going to be in his hands more than ever. He's with a team full of guys with no egos. This is an egoless basketball team that plays together and is very, very unselfish. Like they, they, they love each other, and I think that Kyrie Irving is going to ball out this year and put on a show and get that MVP. I think he's going to make propel this team to be better than what they probably were projected to be. Definitely there. Other notable names, Joel Embiid. The Sixers have a lot of expectations. He could be a guy, but he I, I don't know if they want to get to center. Plus, I can't trust nah. his health. Always right. missing up games. He's going to be a load management, so I can't pick a guy like that. But um, a lot of things and a lot of key things to keep an eye on as the NBA season. And that was our, of course, our preseason. NBA awards and as we wind down today's show here in the really steaming hot evening here in Central Florida, myself and Michael Gray, we want to say so long for now and start the studios at WNSC, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, available in all streaming social media platforms. We want to say farewell for now inside the Studio Z. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info, some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast Experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan.